Amen, church. Well, good morning, and it is good to be with you all here this morning. If we haven't had the opportunity to meet yet, my name is Blake Jenkins, and I serve here at Dawson as the minister to college students. I'm grateful to Pastor David for asking me to preach in his absence today and uh, to be able to open up God's Word with you all here this morning. Uh, just a little bit about me. Uh, we're still relatively new here to Dawson. My wife and I uh, have been here for about six months now, and, but we have loved being a part of the Dawson family of faith. Uh, we have a little two-year-old that's running around. Uh, if you've kept him in the nursery, you know Thomas. Uh, he, he's talked about. And he's very active uh, and just running around all over the place. Uh, but uh, if, if you guys could be, please be in prayer for our family, um, especially uh, coming up next Monday night. Uh, I'm a graduate of the University of Alabama, and my wife is a graduate of Clemson University. Um, <laughs> so uh, four years in a row, uh, we are dealing with uh, the college football playoff. But anyways, we're uh, grateful uh, to be here at Dawson uh, with a praying church uh, to see us through. Uh, I hope you all had a Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year and that you all are joining us together this morning as we open up God's Word. You know, we're on the cusp of a new year. And at the new year, it's a great time to kind of look at and evaluate old routines, old, old rhythms, and then to be able to look ahead to the new year figure out what sort of new habits, what sort of new routines, what sort of new rhythms we want to be able to lay down. And, uh, you know, a lot of them will revolve around, you know, things physically. You know, the, you know, shedding those few extra pounds, you know, training for that particular, you know, 5K, half marathon, full marathon. But, you know, there will be some other, you know, types of goals that you'll have where you want to be able to read a certain number of books. Or, you know, some of them, uh, you know, could be other pursuits. Some of them could be spiritual pursuits about how you want to be more consistent in your Bible reading. You want to be more intentional about carving out time to intentionally disciple people. Uh, you want to come and talk to me about how you can get involved in the college ministry, right? And, you know, there are different things that you can do. But you might also want to be more intentional in your prayer life. And if you were wanting to be more intentional in your prayer life, uh, you might go to the Scriptures. You might see what it has to say about prayer. And you would invariably find yourself in the Sermon on the Mount, in Jesus, in Matthew chapter 6, when he's talking about prayer. And then when he actually gives us a model prayer. And that would be a, a great place to be able to start as you're trying to learn more and more how we can pray, how we can communicate with God. And you pray these words, you know, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come and your will be done here on earth as it is in heaven. Okay, so, so far so good, right? Words that you've maybe prayed dozens or even hundreds of times before. But then you get to the phrase... God, give us this day our daily bread. And maybe for this particular time, it would be like for you, like it was for me. And that phrase just kind of stuck out to me when I was reading it. And really, I was kind of struck with the tension of, is this something that I still need to pray for? Like, I mean, after I mean, is this a request that I need to make here in 21st century America? The land of opportunity and excess. I mean, bread is everywhere. I mean, you have all of these different kinds. Like you walk down the aisles of the grocery store. I mean, there are just so many options. I mean, you have white bread, wheat bread, new white wheat bread, five grain, whole grain, chipotle, sourdough. I mean, the list could go on and on and on. You know, it's the first thing uh, to fly off of the shelves in an impending snowstorm. It's, it's given out for free at a lot of our restaurants. Like macaroni grill, Cracker Barrel. I mean, you have to ask for it now, though. You know, a little tip. But there's a lot, I mean, just our access to bread. I mean, it's a lot like our access to running water. 
And so I get to this portion of the prayer, and I think, is this something that I still need to pray for? And I think for us to be able to answer that faithfully in accordance with Scripture, we need a new set of eyes and ears. Or perhaps maybe an old set of eyes and ears. That we need to put ourselves back in the mindset of the followers of Jesus who would have first heard this model prayer being taught. Because you see in this first century Near Eastern locale where Jesus was talking with his disciples, when they heard this daily bread, their minds would have been instantly transported back to a great and grand story. A story of deliverance, a story of nomads, and the bestowal of a strange and unexpected gift. And so the story picks up in the Old Testament where God has come and he has made a covenant with Abraham. We've been walking back through you know, this fall about the story of Abraham, that God was going to bless him and make his name great, make him a great nation. And that eventually came about. God was faithful to keep his promises, but he also told Abraham that his descendants would be enslaved in a foreign land. Well, that too came true. And so God's people, Israel, they were enslaved in the land of Egypt for over 400 years. And God finally heard the cry of his people and acted upon it. He had heard it all along, but now was the time to act. And he does so in an unexpected way. He calls out an on-the-run criminal living in a foreign land, Moses, to go back and to set his people free. But Moses is a little reluctant. But it is in this process of God calling Moses that God reveals something intensely personal about himself. We see it in Exodus chapter 3, verses 13 and 14. After God is calling Moses to go back to Egypt, then Moses says to God, If I come to the people of Israel and say to them, The God of your fathers has sent me to you, and they ask me, What is his name? What shall I say to them? Well, God said to Moses, I am who I am. And he said, Say this to the people of Israel, I am has sent me to you. So you may have encountered this name uh, in different ways throughout scripture, or being heard it pronounced different ways, Jehovah, Yahweh, and either pronunciation is fine, they're just different takes on the Hebrew, but for this morning, we'll go with the pronunciation for Yahweh. And it's in this moment, as God is calling Moses, God makes his personal covenantal name known, I am, Yahweh. And Yahweh, meaning I am, taking from the Hebrew verb to be, is significant for many reasons. God, right here in showing his personal name, he covers all time possibilities. He's transcendent. He's completely other. He's high. He's lofty. He's beyond definition. He was the one who was, is, and is to come. He is up. He is above. But at the same time, he is intensely personal. He is the eternal present. He is near to us. He is I am. And so Yahweh, he calls out Moses, and he goes back to Egypt, and after a long uh, bout of plagues and back and forths, Pharaoh finally releases the people. God splits the Red Sea. They walk through on dry ground on the other side, looking back, and all of Israel's enemies are completely wiped out and defeated. And now they're on the journey to the promised land. But it was taking God's people just a little bit longer than they would have liked. 
It was taking them a little bit longer than they would have expected. Our story picks up in Exodus chapter 16. If you want to see it in your Bibles, there's a, uh, one in the pew rack in front of you, or we'll also have it on the screens. Exodus chapter 16, starting in verse 2. And the whole congregation of the people of Israel grumbled against Moses and Aaron in the wilderness. And the people of Israel said to them, Would that we have died by the hand of the Lord in the land of Egypt when we sat by the meat pots and ate bread to the full. For you have brought us out into this wilderness to kill this whole assembly with hunger. So the Lord hears their grumbling. But it's not of their stomachs. Like me on a particular morning when I haven't eaten breakfast and you know, invariably I'm doing something that is where it's really quiet and other people can hear. It's not the grumbling of their stomachs, but rather it's the grumbling of their lips. You see, they were in a difficult situation in the land of Egypt. And now they're in a difficult situation here in the wilderness. And they are so quick to forget the miracle that they had seen on an ocean-sized scale. And now they're letting their present difficulties completely overshadow everything that had just happened. You see, I, I so often, I'm like Israel. I forget how God has worked in my past. I forget the things that he has delivered me from, the situations he has brought me to, but he's brought me through. And and then I start to glamorize the past. I start to think about what it was like back there, and the thing about it is I almost always think about it way better than it actually was. You know, kind of like a high school football player who's long since graduated and is so much better in his memory than he actually ever was on the field. That we start to glamorize things that happened in yesteryear. And we're carried away by the difficult present. But we, as God's people, must remember how God has worked in the past so that we are not carried away by the difficult present. We must. That's why so much that this call of Scripture is for us to remember. To remember how God has worked. And this is what we see all through the wilderness wanderings. This is what we see even after the kingdom is established. This is what we see even in exile. This is what we see even in the time of Christ. That we are called to remember. Remember what God has done. So that we're not carried away by the difficult present. Because the present will be difficult. But we are to remember how God has worked. So he hears the grumbling of his people. But... He does anything but abandon them. Look with me next in verse 4. Then the Lord said to Moses, Behold, I'm about to rain bread from heaven for you. This does not happen. And the people shall go out and they shall gather a day's portion every day that I may test them whether they will walk in my law or not. So God says this is going to happen. And then when you skip down to verse 13, it actually happens. In the evening, quail came up and covered the camp, and in the morning, dew lay around the camp. And when the dew had gone up, there was on the face of the wilderness a fine, flake-like thing, fine as frost on the ground. And when the people of Israel saw it, they said to one another, what is it? The Hebrew word for that phrase is actually manna. What is it? For they did not know what it was. And Moses said to them, It is the bread that the Lord has given you to eat. So this event, 
This desire for God's people, this provision that he himself gives, shows me God's extreme distaste for low-carb diets. God gives his people delicious bread. And they go outside in the morning. Can you imagine what it would have been like the first time that they go out there and they see the ground covered with bread, fine as frost, like a blanket of snow? You have some kids that are out there and they're, you know, maybe just playing in it, right? And you hear this word echoing all over the camp, manna, manna, which means what is it? So they're going around and they're questioning, what is this? I think some out of genuine interest and curiosity. But there might have been some that were looking out and maybe with just a little bit of a snarl. What is this? Because a lot of scholars would speculate that people in this ancient agrarian society, they would have expected or wanted maybe some seed, maybe some livestock, a way for them to be able to plant, to control, to be able to give variety, long-term sustainability, something that they could work at themselves. But no, God's provision right here, it was daily. God was having to retrain this people. Because you see, he didn't want them to have the mentality that you are what you achieve. You will get all of this provision by the work that you have, the sweat of your brow. But you have to freely receive this. You have to humble yourself and actually stoop down to pick up that which I'm providing for you. And so he gives them This bread. And you see, it goes to show us that God doesn't always give us what we expect, but what we truly need. God doesn't always give us what we expect, but what we truly need. It it was like when I was growing up, like so many people, uh, young boys, I played Little League Baseball for many, many years. And, you know, when I was younger, uh, I I was a bigger kid, and, I mean, I would just be able to you know, use all of my weight into my swing. And I, like any young kid, I wanted to be the guy that hit the homer. You know, I wanted to hit the ball over the fence. And I, but I, I just couldn't muscle my way up to it. And so I got this bat, and I mean, I just absolutely loved this bat. I mean, it was a TPX Omaha Gold. I mean, this thing was just the Mac Daddy of all of the bats. Like it was, um, I mean, just this big barrel bat. I was a big kid. I needed a big barrel bat. And I would get over there and I would just swing. I mean, you know, I, I would get the ball pretty far, you know, but I mean, I would fly out to deep left field. You know, I hit the fence in the air a couple of times, but I just I could not seem to get the ball over the fence. And that's what I really wanted to be able to do. Well, I mean, because it was such a good bat, all the other kids on the team, they used the bat as well. And then over time, the bat eventually lost its pop. You know, you need the aluminum bats, they can lose their pop. And so you have to go and you have to get another bat. And so I was, oh, I loved going to get new equipment. And so I would go on this pilgrimage to my favorite sporting goods store. And we would go in and I was there with my dad and I would just march straight over to the TPX Omaha Golds. And I was like, all right, pulled it off the rack. Quick trip. We're done. Let's go. But dad, my dad, he had been doing some research. And he actually kept walking and he went over to the skinny barreled bat section. And I was like, Dad, what are you doing over there? Somebody's going to see us. Like, we can't be seen in the skinny barrel bat section. And he actually has the nerve to pull off a skinny barrel, neon orange, Easton connection. And I was like, Dad. And he takes the TPX Omaha Gold out of my hand, and he puts that one 
in, and I just look at it. I'm like, what's this? Manna. I was a very spiritual child. And I was just like, <laughs> what is this? I can't be seen up there with just a little stick. They're going to make fun of me, a big kid with a little bat. No, I'm a big kid. I need a big bat. He said, Blake, you think you're a big kid, and you need a big bat because of that. But what you can't comprehend right now is that you don't need the size. You need the speed. You need bat speed. And what you know, I mean, he who holds the money makes the decisions. And so I walked out of Romeo's Sporting Goods that day with a neon orange skinny barreled bat. And later that season, I hit my first home run. And I I don't tell you that story in kind of a Philippians 4.13, I can do all things, like hit a home run through Christ who strengthens me kind of way. But I tell it to you so that I can ask this question, could it be that God is in the process right now of giving you something maybe that you don't expect? Or something you necessarily don't even want, but what you truly need? Could it be that God is in the process of giving you not what you expect, but what you truly need? Because God knows far better than we do what we need. And what he gives is so much better. I mean, we see this over in verse 31. If we skip down a little bit more. Moses, as he's reaccounting this event, can only describe what the manna was like. They had no frame of reference for what this was. Verse 31. Now the house of Israel called its name manna. So the name stuck. What is it? And it was like coriander seed. White. And the taste of it was like wafers made with honey you see in ancient times the refining of sugar had not yet been developed and so the only way to sweeten foods was either by adding fruit compote or honey to them and so for Moses to say that the taste of manna was like wafers made with honey it was tantamount to saying this food is absolutely delicious God wasn't raining down packing peanuts he wanted his people to enjoy this daily bread But they doubted. And we too, we doubt God's goodness. We doubt that he cares. We doubt that he will provide. And whenever he does, maybe we look at it and we're like, what is this? Some of you might be looking at things in your life right now. And you're looking at them to God and you're like, what is this? What am I going to do with this? And I can't from the platform begin to explain how for each and every one of you, God is using that to shape you to lead you, to refine you, to make you more like his son. But based on the authority of God's word and the way that he has acted throughout his word, I can tell you for certain that he doesn't always give us what we want, but he gives us what we truly need. And I can tell you this, Yahweh always provides. Yahweh always provides provides. Maybe not in ways that we would expect, but in ways that we truly need. Well, how does Yahweh provide? In what senses does he provide for us? Well, well, first he provides for our physical needs. He provides for our physical needs. He provides food like he did with Israel that we eat. I mean, and that's reflected so often in the ways like with our prayers before meals, right? You know, Father, we thank you so much for this food that you have given to us. Yes, I mean, there might have been other means by which we came about to get that particular food. But at each stage, we can trace it all the way back to God's providential hand. You know, using the example of bread, that he was the one who gave the seed in the first place. 
who gave the strength to the farmer to be able to plant it, to harvest it, gave the skill and the technology to be able to process it into flour and then to bake it, who gave the means by which it was taken from there to the grocery store, put on the shelf, and then that you were given the means to be able to buy the bread or you were given it from someone else, that, yeah, there might be multiple means by which we get these, this bread, this daily bread, but it can all be traced back to his providential hand. And this is the crazy thing. What if God wants to use you to answer this prayer that someone else has prayed? What if someone else is praying, Father, give me and give my family today this daily bread And if he uses a multitude of means, he might even use you to be able to provide daily bread. That they would be able to trace it back to God's providential hand, but that it's coming through you. God provides for our physical needs. For Yahweh always provides. But is it only physical? Is it only physical food that he gives to us? The scriptures show us elsewhere that in the same way that God feeds us physically, he actually feeds us spiritually as well. Look at with me at Deuteronomy chapter 8 and verse 3. And he, God, humbled you and let you hunger and fed you with manna, which you did not know, nor did your fathers know. Why? That he might make you know that man does not live by bread alone, but man lives by every word that comes from the mouth of the Lord. You see, this manna, it was a pointer to something else. You see, we think a lot of times that only the physical is all that matters. And yes, we do live by bread, but we do not live by bread alone. That there is something more elemental. There is something more fundamental. There is something more essential. And that is the words of the living God. And he has so spoken to us, and he actually feeds us and sustains us and strengthens us through his word. And I'm thankful to be a part of a church that emphasizes and calls us and encourages us to be people that are in the word. You know, we're on the cusp of a new year. There are a multitude of plans out there for you to be able to get into, to saturate yourself with God's word. And it's not legalistic to say that you need to be in God's word. In the same way that it's not legalistic to say you need to eat every day. It is necessary for life and for joy. And in the same way when we come to God's word, it is what nourishes us, it is what sustains us and keeps us going. Because you see, when the difficult times do come and whenever we are facing opposition, it is the word that will see us through. This Deuteronomy 8.3 passage, if you remember, this is actually the passage that Jesus quotes to Satan in the wilderness when he's being tempted. Even though he had been fasting from food, he had been feasting on the word of God. And when he's tempted to make the stones into bread, he says, man does not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of the Lord. Jesus models for us and is our representative doing what we could not do for ourselves and showing us that we cannot live by bread alone, but we need the word of the Lord. And when we go to God's word daily, what is it we're supposed to see? Well, lastly, we see that Yahweh provides for our greatest need. Yahweh provides for our greatest need. You see, there was another time that this daily bread was talked about, and it was in John chapter 6. And it was in John 6 that Jesus had just fed the 5,000, but scholars actually speculate that 
uh, when all of the other family members were taken into account that it was somewhere around 20,000 people, you know, with the loaves and the fish and the people, the crowds were following him and they wanted to be able to see another miracle. They really just wanted another meal. And so they come to Jesus, they're pressing him for a sign and they even got spiritual on him. This is what they said in John 6, 30. So they said to him, then what sign do you do that we may see and believe you? What work do you perform? Our fathers ate manna in the wilderness. As it is written, he gave them bread from heaven to eat. But Jesus responds in this way. And it shows you the ultimate way in which Yahweh provides. Verse 32, Jesus then said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, it was not Moses who gave you the bread from heaven, but my Father gives you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is he who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. And they said, sir, give us this bread always. Verse 35, and Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger, and whoever believes in me shall never thirst. I am the bread of life. So much packed into these short words. That Jesus, he is the I am. Jesus, he is God. He is the son of God. He is the provider. Before Abraham was, John eight fifty eight. I am. He is the provider. But then he himself is also the provision. That he is the bread. He is the one who nourishes us. He is the one that all of the scriptures point to. He is the one who shows us that God has been providing all along. Because you see, in the very beginning, Yahweh, he provided clothes to cover Adam and Eve in their sin and their shame. Yahweh provided the covenant for Abraham to make him a great nation. Yahweh provided the ram for Isaac to keep the covenant going. Yahweh provided the name change for Jacob to give him a new identity. Yahweh provided deliverance from slavery and oppression. Yahweh provided the manna in the wilderness to bring his people to dependence and to sustain them. And Yahweh provided the Son of God in the stable. Yahweh provided the Son of God with the sick and with sinners. And Yahweh provided the Son of God on court and then on the cross. Yahweh provided the son of God in the tomb, but who didn't stay there because Yahweh provided the son of God risen from the grave and ascended to the right hand of the father. And one day Yahweh will provide the son of God coming again. Because you see, Yahweh, he always provides. The covenant making and covenant keeping God heard the cries of his people. And he came. Sent by the Father, Jesus coming in full accord with his will. Came for us and humbled himself and became a servant. And he lived the life that you and I should have lived. A perfect, sinless life. Necessary for fellowship with God. And Jesus died the death that you and I should have died. So that we would not have to taste a single drop of the wrath of God. And he was risen up from the grave, forever securing our place at his side in the new heavens and in the new earth. 
And now we, in response, in humility, repent from our sin. We turn from that sin-dead way of living, and we trust in Christ. We believe on him. We are baptized into his church, identifying with his life, death, and resurrection. Because you see, when we are found in him, what he has accomplished, now we have as well. A great exchange took place, removing our sin and giving us his righteousness. So now that when God looks at us, he sees his perfect son. In the face of Jesus, we see that Yahweh always provides. And so here today, we pray, God, give us this day our daily bread. Knowing that God will provide for our physical needs. And that he might actually even use us to provide for others' physical needs as well. We pray this knowing that he will satisfy our spiritual needs. That when we go to him in his word, that he will meet with us. That he will give us, not maybe always what we expect or what we think we need, but what we truly, truly need. And then we know that he will provide for our greatest need. And then we look forward to the day when we won't pray this prayer anymore. Because you see, at the end of Exodus chapter 16, the very last verses of this chapter, it shows us that Israel, they ate the manna in the wilderness, but once they got into the promised land, the manna stopped. So too, in the new heavens and in the new earth, there will be a day where we won't have to pray, God, give us this day our daily bread. For we will be in the presence of the bread of life himself. Feasting at the marriage supper of the Lamb. Always and eternally satisfied with his presence and the provision from his gracious, gracious heart. We know. We believe. We trust. And we hope. That Yahweh always provides. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you that you have provided for us. God, that you have done what we could not do for ourselves. That you lived an acceptable life. That you atoned for our sins and you have made life with you possible. Life eternal and life here today. So Jesus, I pray that you'd fill us with a longing, that you would increase our appetite. God, for you, maybe for some in the room for the first time, or God, for those who are here this morning and who are weak, who are famished, God, would you feed us? Would you sustain us? God, would we enjoy your presence? God, would you help us to stand? God, in times of difficulty, in times of pain, in sorrow, or in doubt, God, help us to look to you. Help us to trust you. Father, please provide. It's in Jesus' name.